My new book is out, How to Be a Capitalist Without Any Capital. It hit the Wall Street Journal bestsellers list, and I just wanted to say thank you. I hope you get it at capitalistbook.com. Here's what user Jay Eggleston said in an Amazon review. Warning, this book is addicting, is Nathan the new Tim Ferriss. He said, I met Nathan during my college days when he was still CEO of Hayo. I knew he was inspiration since the day I met him. The book is totally a Nathan Latka original, and this is the new four-hour work week. Warning, though, it is addicting. I'm not sure how long I've been reading it now, and the only thing that is making me from put it down is the dreaded workday tomorrow. Six people found that helpful. Get the book today at capitalistbook.com. Raising caught 50 million bucks every, you know, tw- you know, six, 12, 18 months, something like that, doing five to seven deals, really. And also then recently created Canada's uh, first secondary market fund. So angel investors and employees in Canadian late stage tech companies could sell their shares and earn some liquidity. And then hopefully within 18 to 36 months, get some other form of liquidity, whether that's an IPO or a secondary or all the other forms to get liquidity. Uh, that's what they're modeling. First time it's been done in Canada. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. They had no money when they started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Matthew Leibowitz. He is part of a Plaza Ventures, a growth stage and secondary technology investing company, uh, having orient, uh, originated, managed, and completed dozens of transactions. As GP at Plaza Ventures, he specializes in deal flow, investment, transaction processing, ecosystem development, and investor relations. He sits on the board of numerous companies as well as various accelerators and charities. Matthew, are you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. All right. So give us an overview first, kind of Plaza Ventures, um, you know, there's a ton of VCs out there. How are you guys different? What are you focused on? We started as a family office here in Toronto, Canada. Um, we are an offshoot of Plaza Corp, which is one of Canada's largest private real estate developers. Um, we've been investing in tech companies for 25 years. Uh, and we came up with a model that really started off um, um, as direct principal investors versus trying to raise a VC fund for the sake of raising a VC fund. And so we really approach it. Uh, We do uh, very differently than most VCs. We raise a fund or two funds every single solitary year. So instead of raising a large one-year, 10-year monolithic fund, we raise one or two funds every year. We seed each of the fund with about a third of our own capital. So we put our money where our mouths are. uh, And thus, we create um, great alignment with our management teams and our investors that invest alongside us as well, too. Are there other LPs or is this really a corporate kind of VC arm? No, we have many uh, outside LPs as well. Okay. And so what's the thesis? They obviously want to return on that money. You're kind of doing these secondary funds. We'll talk about it in a second. But I mean, is it, is it simply a kind of a two and 20 carry kind of model? No, actually, we don't charge any carry. Uh, we don't actually charge any management fees in any of our funds. Uh, we take a 20% carried interest after 100% return of capital. Okay. And so be a lo- so think of us as a zero and 20 model. And we put in about a third of the capital ourselves, myself, my partners, Plaza Corp. 
So the messaging there is um, we're aligned with our LPs and with our management team. Did Plaza say we've got all this extra capital, we want to kind of get into this investing space and then go find you? Or were you already part of Plaza? They said, Matthew, we got to do this. You want to spin it out and take it? Um, it was almost sort of like they were investing as angel investors for about 20 plus years. And uh, I had known some of the people that were running the family office here through the Toronto tech ecosystem. And effectively, I came in and pitched them on a new form of venture capital model, which we just, which I just described to you. And they said, well, hey, why don't, we, why don't you come join us here uh, and build that uh, with us? And that was a great opportunity for me about uh, five, six years ago. Okay. So tell me, uh, tell me a little bit more about what you're exactly pitching. The difference I just heard you say is we're raising one or two kind of per year instead of one big monolithic every 18 months. It, I mean, so why is that important as a differentiator? Um, for, well, on the LP side, uh, it provides a lot more transparency as to where their money's actually going. So again, in a typical venture fund, it's a black box. Uh, you really have no idea where that capital is going to, but you're basically investing in a manager or a VC fund. And they're basically saying, hey, I'm going to go out and uh, find a bunch of great deals for you over the next four or five years. Whereas where we're saying to our LPs is, hey, here's where typically 40 to 60% of your capital is going on day one. So we've already diligenced these companies and we basically raise a fund in lockstep with doing the investments. So are these, I mean, are you doing little SPVs for every single deal? Uh, no, uh, every fund, which effectively is an SPV, but it is a GPLP structure, invests in typically seven or eight companies. Okay, so seven or eight. They, they, get, they get a diversified approach to it. So it's, it's actually a term that I came up with, which is called diversify, this notion of diversified concentration, which I know is an oxymoron, but nonetheless, it actually quite works out quite well with our funds. Yeah. I, I'm drilling here because I want to understand. So like I'm an LP in a bunch of funds and I get a monthly update, right? Of where, where all the money from the fund has gone over the past, whatever year, two, three years, growth rates, whatever reports they have for those companies. I mean, I know where my money is going when I'm investing in these traditional VC funds. I'm trying to figure out if I put half a million bucks into what you're doing, what would be, how would it be different? And all I'm, all I'm hearing is it's, it's a higher frequency of fundraising. There's two funds happening every, every year. And I guess somehow more transparency. Yeah. I'd say more transparency and no fees. Uh, I'd say are two very big differentiators in terms of what we're doing. Um, we've never seen anyone quite like uh, quite like it with our model, and certainly in Canada, don't know anyone specifically in the U.S. who invests like this structure. And also the notion that we put a lot of the capital in ourselves to seed each fund once or twice a year also, I think, differentiates us. Interesting. Okay. Tell me more about, you've launched essentially the first secondary market fund uh, in Canada, which Correct. basically means these folks in late stage companies can essentially sell shares and earn liquidity. You know, I would say the comp in the US is, you know, a big private equity firm coming in and doing a massive secondary if the firm's not going to IPO and create liquidity that way. Is that kind of what you're competing with in terms of, op you know, opportunity cost? Not necessarily, no. So we're actually buying shares primarily from either early angel investors and or early ex-employees in uh, late stage, private, pre-IPO, pre-M&A, pre-private equity uh, investment and or change of control transaction uh, companies. Uh, there's definitely, uh, we identified about 40 groups in the US uh, that, that do this either as a core focus and or a sleeve on their platform, uh, but we're first to market, believe it or not, in Canada. Why is that? Uh, I think it's a function of a number of different things. Uh, I just, as a core focus, it's, it's, it's just not really thought of in Canada. But primarily, uh, historically, Canada hasn't really had the ecosystem or the landscape of, of later stage, mature, either venture-backed or, or high-growth uh, tech companies. So now there's a market for it, if you will, um, in terms of 
there's enough companies to support a secondary market where uh, it used to be that uh, you know a company would get to five, 10 million revenue and then sell. Now uh, companies are much more bullish and are looking to go to 100 million plus in revenue and thus they have a lot more of an employee base that's underneath them two, three, four hundred employees. We didn't always see that a few years ago. And now it's just a maturation of the Canadian tech ecosystem mm-hmm. uh, where there's some amazing, amazing companies in Canada um, that are now of, 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 of large enough scale uh, where there's enough ec- either existing employees or ex-employees and angel investors that are seeking liquidity. I mean, this is essentially the pitch, right, that we got from Social Capital many years ago, which was we're raising this huge fund. Now you don't have to go public anymore. You can stay private and still create liquidity. You know, obviously he's just drastically changed his structure, lost everyone on the team, put out his first kind of annual report, right, which was an interesting read. But ultimately, like he had to change the model. It's, it's not quite working, right? Is that the same model you're launching? And how is it different? What, what are you going to do differently than he did? No, not at all. Um, so we, we are not buying out other VC funds. We're not, the pitch is to the to management is not, hey, we're investing in your company and thus it, it could delay an IPO. It's actually quite the opposite. We're actually going down a level or two and going and buying out um, employees and angel investors, right? Mm-hmm. So this isn't meant to replace an IPO. It's actually pre-IPO or pre-M&A is where we're coming in. So we're actually encouraging our companies to go for, go for some sort of big material liquidity event in the next 18 to 36 months. Is that because at the time horizon you're on? That's correct. Interesting. Okay. So most, some people might avoid that because they don't want that kind of 36 month pressure. Yep, absolutely. And so part of what we do up front is we like to have those conversations with management teams to say, hey, and we're very upfront, very direct, very honest with them and say, hey, our timeframe for ourselves and for our LPs is in the 18 to 36 month timeframe. Is that something that you think would work for you and your company? And it doesn't have to be an IPO. It doesn't have to be an M&A. It could be a private equity. Uh, secondary. Um, it could be another secondary but likely there will be another capital markets and or corporate finance event happening in the next, again, call the 12 to 36 months, at which time we would, be look, we would likely look to sell. It's mm-hmm. not etched in stone that we have to sell, but according to what we have um, effectively budgeted for, we would like to um, sell our positions within those time frames. If I'm a founder with 60% equity in a company, right, and I've raised, I'm going to make this up, 10 million bucks, and the company's doing 40 million bucks in ARR, and I know in about 18 to 24 months, we're going to go do another round, or we're already talking to the PE firm, I'm going to do a big secondary. I mean, why would I shortcut that and say, okay, yeah, you know, I want a little capital now instead of waiting 18 months, I'm going to go ahead and do a deal with, with you guys first. Why wouldn't they just wait if they can have that horizon to 18 to 36 months? So we're doing typically off-balance sheet investments. So these are secondaries. It doesn't hit their, um, it, it, the board typically doesn't have to convene on these deals. They're, they're much smaller in nature. They're typically um, three or four or five million dollars in nature, whereas a, a big U.S., if you will, a big U.S. private equity firm is going to likely want to write a 40 to $200 million check into the company. And so mm-hmm. what we're able to do is really effectively help out the CEO clean up his or her cap table and really do, um, for lack of a better term, do a bit of a solid on their behalf because what they're really seeking to do is provide that liquidity for some of the early backers that were in the proverbial garage with them back in the early days. That, you know, Think about the first four or five or ten employees and or think about the first person that wrote a check into your company eight or nine years ago. On paper, they've done phenomenally well because the company's performing, but frankly, that person hasn't made a nickel yet. On paper, they're doing great. And so that's where we like to come in and say, hey, 
we would provide liquidity to those early backers of yours. So it, it's not meant to supplant a large private equity secondary. It's actually meant to enhance them and thus um, um, streamlining their cap table and making the next rounds of financing uh, or whatever the case may be, that much easier for them. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've interviewed. I mean, I've interviewed probably three dozen CEOs that are kind of in the. 70 to 120 million dollar AR range and a lot of them you know I'll use Infusionsoft as an example Clay came on right they did the big 50 million with Goldman I mean mm-hmm. he broke down on the podcast the structure that they gave all early employees they all had liquidity options there since they weren't going to go public anytime right they and and he walked down the math and a lot of those early employees early angels early uh, folks took advantage of that and sold some of their things up at the you know updated price that they had set so I'm just trying to get a sense of how this is different than those kinds of deals that are already happening yeah, those are just larger transactions by nature. And again, in Canada, we don't see that uh, as much. And so we're trying to come in and again, not replace those kinds of rounds because they are starting to come to the fore. But um, we're going in, I guess, a little bit earlier stage companies, companies with 20, 30, 40, 50 million in revenue here in Canada. And so uh, they just haven't, there just hasn't been a market for it for Canadian companies. Interesting. I agree. If I was in New York or the Valley, then I would be um, competing with every uh, all of the 40 or 50 other shops that we know that do this, again, as a core focus and or a sleeve on their platform. And thus, um, that's a totally different scenario. But again, with our focus on Canadian companies, for the most part, um, it's it's just been a great niche for us and, and certainly been welcome from uh, the ecosystem. Are you also rolling up employees that have maybe left a company or have the right to exercise their price, but they don't because of tax purposes? So you go and essentially buy those rights. Is that what you're, is that part of what you're doing here? That's part of what we're doing. Ah, uh, okay. Too. Okay. That, I wish you just, I wish you just said that because, so I know some very, very smart people I really respect in the States where it's a company's growing really quick. The CEO yeah. doesn't want to raise. They don't want money from this particular smart individual. So that smart individual just hustle like hell to find early employees that have options they haven't exercised for tax yeah. reasons or whatever. And they'll go just buy those rights directly going around the CEO and around other things. So you're kind of creating a marketplace for that. But under the aegis of the CEO and the management team. So we're not going okay. around the CEO. We're doing it in, in lockstep with them in parallel with them. And in fact, in every deal we've done thus far, uh, in every transaction we're looking at thus far, frankly, the CEO is our number one champion. And they've actually been the one quarterbacking uh, the process on, on our behalf, which is Interesting. A, 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 a very welcoming thing. And I guess it may be a very Canadian thing. That's great. <laughs> no, that's good. I love that. So is there some, I mean, can I, is it, can I literally go to some website and see a marketplace of all the companies where like I could go through you and buy a couple shares or a couple options here or there? I mean, is that how it works? Unfortunately, no, there's no, uh, dare I say, Bloomberg terminal. Yeah. For, uh, <laughs> Uh, um, private shares of, of, of later stage um, private tech companies. I'd love, I wish there was, that would certainly perhaps make my life a little bit easier. Um, uh, but having said that, um, I think that would be a great opportunity. Um, both so we've got to be an LP in your fund to get those deals. That's correct. Yeah. 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 Interesting. And, and so like last round that you guys raised, I mean, how much did you raise? It's a $50 million fund. Okay. So you're typically raising two $50 million funds each year or something like well, that. Yeah, we have, we also have a Series A and Series B fund. That's about a twenty twenty five million dollar fund annually. Interesting. Very good. Well, listen, we're running out of time here. Anything else I missed about this model? Um, I would just say that um, we're very proud of it. And again, we 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 took the plunge um, uh, to dive right into the deep end, head first uh, in Canada. Um, and I'm very proud of my colleagues and my team and my partners that we were able to launch it. And, and, and it really only came together in a couple months, all things considered. Mm-hmm. So 
I'm, I'm very proud of that and um, really excited to be in business. And I think it's a great um, addition to our platform. And um, I think this could be a very exciting thing for us over the next five, 10 years as the Canadian ecosystem continues to mature and, uh, and evolve, which is really exciting for us. Sweet IQ or Keek or which one of these exits made you the most money? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we're technically not supposed to di- di- uh, disclose these kinds of things. I am under NDA. Let me ask differently. Which deal was your favorite? <laughs> um, I'll put it this way. Everyone that gives me liquidity is my favorite. Uh, so, smart guy. This is, why he's, <laughs> this is why he's successful. All right, Matthew, <laughs> let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? The Decoded Company. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Uh, Bruce Flatt and Mark Benioff. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building the business? <sighs> Actually, hold on. I'm going to change this question for you. What, do you use any software technology to manage your LPs? Uh, we use Navatar. Navatar, interesting. built off the Salesforce platform. Yep, yep. All right, number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? <laughs> four to five that's not healthy how do you sleep so little i go to the gym every morning at six fifteen. i play hockey three four times a week uh i've got two little kids at home so you know uh wow and married matthew yeah. very married very happy. Ma- married two <laughs> kids and uh, how old are you how old am i i'm 39 last question what do you wish your 20 year old self knew uh keep on going it, uh, I, I'll be, I was talking about this, uh, was asking, wondering how I would answer this. And I would just say, uh, uh, things have turned out better than I ever anticipated when I was 20 years old. So I'm, I'm elated to be in the position that I am. So I, if I was uh, 20 years ago to go back to myself, just say, keep on going, buddy. You'll be all right. So that's it. guys keep that's on it. going. Matthew Leibovitz with Plaza Ventures. Again, long, you know, raising call it 50 million bucks every, you know, tw- you know, six, 12, 18 months, something like that, doing five to seven deals really. And also then recently created Canada's uh, first secondary market fund. So angel investors and employees in Canadian late stage tech companies could sell their shares and earn some liquidity. And then hopefully within 18 to 36 months, get some other form of liquidity, whether that's an IPO or a secondary or all the other forms to get liquidity. Uh, That's what they're modeling. First time it's been done in Canada. Matthew, thanks for taking us to the top. Thank you so much for having me.